Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage today. Today's guest is one of the smooth jazz world's breakout new artists. His 2018 debut single, Up and Up, reached number one on the Billboard Contemporary Jazz Chart. And his first three singles hit number one, number three, and number six. He's gone on to release several other songs that many smooth jazz fans know and love. And in 2020, he was named Billboard's number one smooth jazz artist of the year. This Bay Area native has already played on some of the biggest stages and with some of the brightest stars in smooth jazz. Please welcome to the show, saxophonist Jeff Ryan. Jeff, welcome to the show today. Hey, Carl, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man, the pleasure's all mine. I got to let our audience in on a little something. So we got Jeff today walking on some pristine trail in Idaho, I think. Beautiful blue skies. And he's looking super chill right now. So, and I'm sitting in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I woke up to 26 degrees this morning. So <laughs> I'm envious, man. I'm envious. Yeah, man. I'm just trying to keep warm. I got my sweater on, so I'm doing my part, you know. <laughs> Good. Do your thing, man. Do your thing. So talk about getting off to a good start. Your first three singles were all Billboard top tens with a number one on that list. How did that make you feel? It's truly incredible and such a blessing because ever since I was about, I'd say about eight years old, I really wanted to play music. So really all the time spent, all the life, all the cultivation to have that kind of reception really means so much. It's just such a special thing. So, I mean, it was just a huge blessing. I'm so grateful for all the support and just that it was received so well. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a start to any career, man. And you talk about, I mean, just it's so hard in the music industry. I don't think people realize how hard it is to get your songs heard and noticed and to have that kind of success right away. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's personal expression. So, you know, to be able to do that when you're giving it your all and to have it received, I mean, that, that really means everything. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So you're from a musical family. You said by eight years old, you knew you wanted to be a musician, huh? Yeah, I, I was thrown into music pretty young because actually my dad's a concert pianist. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to live up to his technical prowess. But it's as a kid, I'm growing up listening to Chopin, Tchaikovsky, Prokofiev. So you're just inundated, especially instrumental. I mean, classically trained and everything. That's really my root there. So what was it that drew you to saxophone and drew you to the smooth jazz genre? Well, I had a CD. So we had KKSF out in the Bay Area, and they put out these CD samplers. And I received one as a gift because I was starting to look at this saxophone. And I was really, I was actually interested in it because of the look and everything. But I was really drawn to the voice of that instrument, like immediately. I, it was actually a Richard Elliott track, Candlelight. And that really kind of pulled me in immediately. And then, of course, you expand out to other artists like Michael Brecker, Joel Albright, Dexter Gordon. I mean, just it's a deep rabbit hole for jazz sax musicians. But I'm so glad I was pulled in. It means everything to me. Good, good. So, I mean, obviously, to have the success that you had right out of the box, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. There's a lot of work that goes into that. What are the things that you do to hone your craft? How much are you practicing? What are you, like, are you always listening? Are you always looking for inspiration? How do you hone your craft? Well, it's a lot of practicing. Yeah, I mean, you're constantly trying to improve. You know, I, I know there's always a statement where you can't reach perfection, but, but we're always striving for it if it's at all possible, right? So, but 
Of course, I think more importantly than anything else is, of course, listening, really finding what you like and what you care about. So, I mean, as a child, I spent, I'd say, about six to eight hours a day after school. I had, like, no social life. I would just spend time practicing. So as I've gotten older, I mean, I, I still practice to try to do at least at least three to four hours a day if possible. But it's just you really want to make sure that you're expressing yourself in your artistry, not just the letting the instrument control you so i mean that's always the goal for me and i still strive so with this cd i mean really like i said before it's the cultivation of all that time and all that love and expression just mixing together and of course the other thing too that's so important for the success is the relationships that we build along the way and i've been blessed to amazing people like adam Hawley, greg manning darren ron and everybody so just it's to build those relationships as well in a positive way i mean i think that's almost equally as important as your ability. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So for you, is there a part of the music making process that you like more than other parts of the process? Well, I really like all of it in the sense of the expression, but I would say I like working with other people more than just producing myself because my favorite part, of course, is when you can really put emotion onto a track, really how you're phrasing, putting little articulations on certain notes and lines. I really love that. And putting in that extra effort to connect with the listener, that's my favorite part of actually making music. Okay, cool. You mentioned that some of the people you work with, like you've worked with Greg Manning has produced you, Paul Brown has produced you. Paul Brown, yeah, of course. How important is it to find the right producer for your projects? I think it's very important. I think more it's the relationship with the people and that you can actually work together in a good way and create something. But you really want to make sure that your artistry comes through, even if you're working with a producer. I, you know, that's always the challenge. Just, you don't want a track to sound like, oh, well, that's just a production by that person. You want it to be your song being produced by that person. But I mean, I have to give it off to them because those are some amazing, amazing guys. They really are. Yeah, I mean, they can make any song a hit. So really, the only thing I'm really striving is to make sure that my sound is coming through and really it's there. So like you have the support, which you need a good support for the track, but you need your artistry to really shine through. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Total Sense. Well, let's listen to some of your artistry shining through. We're going to take a listen to a cut off your duality release. This is Sentimental Soul.
All right, everybody. That was Sentimental Soul by today's guest, Jeff Ryan. So, Jeff, you have played the Jazz Tracks Festival. You've played Mallorca. What are some of the other events that you're looking forward to playing? We did Seabreeze. We just recently had another event in Florida that was a little festival. And the shows are so great because the recording process is enjoyable, but there's nothing like performing and really connecting with people on that level live. It's a whole nother show. I remember I was actually talking to uh, Dave Cause about it and we were chatting about it. It's like, recording's great, but really when you're in front of people, it's invigorating and it's addictive. And through the whole pandemic, I mean, it's, it has been such a challenge. I, I've talked to so many musicians. It's like, we love and we thrive off having those connections with people. So these shows and everything, it's just very special. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what would you say, how does it feel for you when you're on stage and you see an audience really getting into your performance? It's almost indescribable. It's just very wonderful because like I said before, it's like you put so much, it's so personal, like your entire life, every moment, every expression is really building up to that moment. I like to think that the expression of the emotion is, is really everything that's affected you in your life just all together. Being able to express that and to see a response that they're receiving it, I mean, that's so special. That's actually why I titled my first album Embrace, because that was the one thing I really wanted was to be embraced and just for people to feel what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So we talked about some of the shows and events that you've played already. Are there in the, it's a small circle and it's a close-knit circle in the contemporary jazz world, right? Do you guys talk about the different events and is there like, hey, you really want to play that event because of X, Y, and Z? Or are there events that you guys covet playing and things like that? Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think all artists, are tr we're trying our hardest to get onto every possible event that we can. Uh huh. That's kind of the largest challenge for more like up and coming artists is it is harder to get into the door for festivals. And it's kind of a catch because you do need the exposure to the audience and those events usually will allow you to have the largest access to people, but those are also the ones that are, of course, the most sought after. And they're, it's very challenging, but as long as we stick to it, you know, we should persevere. That's how I'm trying to approach it. Yeah, yeah. I got to imagine for you, though, that having such success on the charts, that that probably made that process a whole lot easier for you. Yeah, yeah. I think it did help open the doors just to... Uh, certain things, especially like Seabreeze and uh, Catalina. I think that definitely helps. So, you know, of course, after the success with music, you just hope that your, of course, your artistry will shine on stage as well, because I think that that's probably more important even than your charting success is that you can connect to the audience and get them interested in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So do you have any pre or post-show routines that are important to you when you're performing? Yeah, well, I was raised... Uh, very faith-based. So I do spend time a little before with a, a little prayer and meditation. And then, of course, long tones. My entire practice routine has always been around tone development and, and long tones. So I will hop back in there and then, of course, send my prayers off to the Lord and hope, hope that I can uh, really do my best, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's take another listen to some of your music. We're going to take a listen to Jeff Ryan with Embrace.
Uh, we just heard Jeff Ryan, our guest today, with his song Embrace. So, Jeff, you mentioned a couple people, but who would you say are really your top musical influences? Well, you know, there's really so many. I mean, Richard Elliott, of course, has really been my listening go-to since I was a little kid. But, of course, Huge Groove and also Dave Koz as well. Joel Albright, Kirk Whalem, Joshua Redman, Bill Woods, Michael Brecker. It's challenging because for what we do, I do like more the pop side. I feel sometimes it's a little more relatable. And that's why like Richard Huge and Dave Koz have really been a big listening. Of course, Joel Albright too. So all the main guys there, jazz as well, like traditional straight ahead. I love it as much as a listener and everything. And I can't get away from that because it keeps me in check, you know, from the, especially a technical standpoint, you want to make sure you're always challenging yourself, pushing yourself. But I love all those artists. They all feel differently. They all express differently. And it's just, I would be sad to not have one of them as an actual influence. Yeah, yeah. Any of those artists that you haven't had a chance to collaborate with that you're dying to collaborate with? You know, I've never collaborated with any of those artists. Okay, okay. In that list, you know, I've played next to Richard. I've never played with Dave and I've talked to Huge, but yeah, I've never played with them. Maybe someday. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I got to believe that's probably going to be in your future, not too distant future for you. So we do this little fun segment on every show. We call it Bout It or Doubt It. If you're about it, it's something that you like, that you're into. If you're doubted, it's something that you're just not feeling. So can we get you to play? Okay. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to spin the wheel to get you a category. And then we're going to ask you a couple of about it or doubt it questions. All right. So let's go ahead and do about it and doubt it. I doubt it. All right. Now we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category, Jeff. Okay. Okay. All right. Your category is rides. Okay. So, bout it or doubt it, motorcycles. Yes. 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 All right. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, what do you ride? I don't ride. Actually, my wife has a scooter. Okay. Not exactly the same thing, but there is something magical about being that exposed and going that fast, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that risk of life. So, that's, (laughs) that's a fun thing to have looming, actually. It is exhilarating. Are you a little bit of a thrill seeker, are you? A little bit. I've calmed down as I've gotten older. I've been in some weird predicaments when I was younger that maybe I shouldn't have survived through. But yes, <laughs> just grateful to be here now. I'll say that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I live in the home of Harley Davidson. And so oh yeah, I wanted to get a motorcycle, but my wife said absolutely no. So I feel you. I think it would be a lot of fun, but the boss has told me I can't do it. So Right, you gotta listen to the lady. You really I am do. I'm an avid bicyclist, though, you know. But that's but there's no motor except for my legs. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. About it or doubt it? Public transportation. Not about it. Don't like it if I don't have to be on it. I'm happy to be on it if I need it, but usually I'd rather just drive myself. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up in the Bay Area, did you have to use public transportation much or no? Yeah, like when I was growing up, I played in a lot of soul bands and actually a few big bands, and I would always get to those things. And actually. I went to school over in Berkeley over there too. So I would take BART around because yeah, it is a very congested area. So you, you got to do Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like you too. If I can avoid it, I lived in New York City for a while and in Chicago and you can't yeah. avoid it in those cities, right? But oh yeah, oh, if yeah. I could avoid it, I would avoid it. I'm like you on those. So 
How would you describe your music to someone who wasn't familiar with it? How would you describe it? Uh, I mean, well, I would have to just say, I start with the genre name, of course, smooth jazz. But, you know, it's kind of challenging because, you know, with instrumental music, it's really so many emotions. I would just say to, to, to somebody that it's music that you have to feel. It is smooth. It is laid back. It's not super edgy. I try to push it sometimes, but it's about the feel. And I think that's the most important part. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I, I was saying to somebody recently that when I listen to music, I often will close my eyes because it takes away the distractions of other things. And that allows me to do just what you said. It allows me to feel the music, connect with the music. And I think you're right. That's one of the things. I think great music really moves people, right? Yeah. And it takes you somewhere and it can make you experience things you might not have experienced without it. I think that's what's kind of magical about music. I think we all need it. So I, I hope people are avid listeners, no matter where they are or what they listen to. Yeah, yeah. So what is it that you're listening to right now when you're driving around town or flying to a gig? What are you listening to? You know, I still love the genre. I have a lot of love for the new artists as well. Phil Denny, Riley Richard, of course. And there's some amazing artists. Uh, Jasmine Gant. I listen to everybody because I want this format to live on. It means so much. I can't think of a better format especially for instrumentalists to really express themselves. And it's, you could be a shredding rock guitarist and still do well in this format. It really gives you room to express. So, I mean, I love the format, but I do also listen to EDM and trance and dubstep. I, I listen to heavy metal, not more like older heavy metal and stuff like that. Of course, I like country as well. I like the old country and the new and R&B, of course, funk music, Luther Vandross is always on my playlist. Yeah. So I listen to playlist. Even the Pointer Sisters, are always on my playlist. So, I mean, there's so much music. I'm not a big rap guy. If I had to say I'd avoid something, that's usually, I'm not going to go there, but I do throw on some Dr. Dre sometimes. When it's good, it's good. And that's really what I try to find in music. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So if you weren't doing music for a living, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, I have to like think about other things that I, I like. I do really like videography and architecture, actually. I originally was going to, because like my parents are like, you sure you want to go into music? Of course. But there was a part of me that actually wanted to be an engineer and an architect. And I still spent time with that. I, I like structures and what we can do, and especially more of the Frank Lloyd Wright integration of modernism with nature. I think that that's a beautiful look. And I think it's important, for, for, especially as we become more dense in our cities, we need to keep an integration of nature. Because that keeps us people grounded when we're around nature. I think it's a very important thing. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. So if there was something fans would be surprised to learn about you, Jeff, what would it be? I love to garden, which kind of goes huh. along with my earlier point, but it's a big thing to me, man. I love green plants and I love flowers and trees and just doing what I can to help them grow. Yeah, yeah. Does that inspire your music at all? Your love of the outdoors and gardening and those things? And Yeah, I love naturalism. A big thing for me with music, I'll take my songs and I'll drive up to like Skyline or somewhere where there's, or actually Mount Diablo even, where, where we have a lot of nature and open land and just put the music on and kind of see how it makes me feel and see if it clicks. That's kind of a good validation for me, but yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're coming upon, uh, we're in the midst of the holiday season right now. Are there holiday traditions that you and your family enjoy this time of year? Yes. Well, well, my wife is someone that 
she's going to put up Christmas as soon as possible. I'm a little more hesitant to put it up so soon, at least wait till Thanksgiving. But once Halloween is off, she has Hallmark on and the Christmas is going. So Hallmark's great. It's not super adult. So it, it is like very <laughs> and everything to put on. So I, I will say that. But See, I think your wife and my wife would get along swimmingly. Hallmark has been playing at my house. As soon as the Hallmark Christmas movies started, they were on the TV at my house. And that's right. My wife has a tradition on Thanksgiving night. She has her fall decorations up. Thanksgiving night, we go to bed and wake up in the next morning and it's Christmas. And that's her tradition. That's how she wants it. So, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, that's my wife too. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great time of the year, though, for spending time with family and enjoying and kicking back and listening to good music. So, why don't we take a listen to another one of your tunes? This is Jeff Ryan with New Day.
All right, everybody. We just heard today's guest, Jeff Ryan, with his tune, New Day. I'm going to wrap it up with a couple questions I like to ask each of our guests. So the first one of those questions is, what are your three favorite albums of all time? Oh, my three favorite albums. Well, I like Pilgrimage by Michael Brecker. I hope I'm getting the title down right there. And then uh, the After Dark CD by Richard Elliott. And then I like The Dance by Dave Coz. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. I'd say those are three albums that are... I have a lot of those tracks on a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are ones that are heavy rotation, huh? <laughs> yeah. They're on the continued playlist, for sure. All right. All right. So the other question that I'd love to ask all of our guests is, you can invite any three people, living or deceased, to a dinner party. Who's coming to Jeff Ryan's dinner party? I don't know. Well, I've had some great times with Dave Cos, a super nice guy, so I'd have to have him come. I'd love to share the table with Grover Washington Jr. Yeah. And I don't know for a third here. Maybe you, man. I'd like to have Carl come to my table. We could hang out. I tell you what, man. You let me know. I'll travel. I'm good like that. Let's <laughs> do it. Yeah, you bring your wife to it, and they can talk about Christmas. Absolutely. You know? We sure could. We sure could. All right. <laughs> well, tell us what else is up for you in the rest of 2021 and in 2022. What do you got planned? Well, we have two smaller dates coming up in December, but I think it's Mostly relaxing. You know, we're still trying to build back up from the pandemic as best we can. I think all of us are. But we've had some great shows so far this year, and it's been a great start. So, I mean, this last month, I think it's just going to be a time for a little more reflection, introspection, and just time with the family. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, it'll be great to be able to be with family again. And so that's a great way to spend time and round out the year, man. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Oh, yeah. So, Jeff, I want to thank you, man, for taking time along your stroll to chop it up with us a little bit, man. We are loving your music. We wish you continued success, and we're looking forward to seeing you out on the road, man, doing what you do on stage. Yeah, man, that'd be great. You got to have me over at that Fresh Coast Adventure, man. We will have you there. No doubt about it. We will have you there. I look forward to it. All right, Carl. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. All right, man. Thank you for taking time. Everybody be sure to get your tickets now for the 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 25th through 26th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, featuring performances by Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, Rick Braun, Julian Vaughn, Lynn Roundtree, Lindsay Webster, Ali Silk, and Jeff Ryan. Tickets available now at freshcoastjazz.com. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. 